Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. Hello, Suspect listeners. It's me, your girl, Katie, back again with another episode for you guys, another week of mediocre therapy and stories that we probably shouldn't listen to to fall asleep. We got a couple new things coming to the podcast that I want to discuss with you guys, some rearranging, some organizing, and if you follow our Instagram at Suspect Podcast, then you probably saw what I posted Um, But I'm going to go ahead and dive a little bit more into that and the changes that you guys can expect to see going forward in the podcast. So for our listeners that have been here for about a year now since we started Suspect, it's been me, Katie, and Hannah doing the episodes. We've had a couple guests. Um, Yeah, just with the inconsistency of 2020, Hannah and I didn't really get to push out episodes like we had planned originally when we first started the podcast. Unfortunately, Hannah has some other obligations regarding her work that just need her immediate attention, and she had to prioritize that over the podcast, which I completely understand. So until further noticed, it's just going to be your girl hanging out with you guys and hopefully sending out hopefully pushing out episodes every week so you guys have something to listen to every week, a new story, and we can really just be more consistent this year. I don't know how better else to put that. I might have some different guests on the podcast. Um, You guys are familiar with a couple of the other guests that we've had previously until I'm able to find a more permanent co-host. But you know, if I start doing this and decide that I don't really need a permanent co-host, then it might just be me pulling on people different every couple weeks. So bear with me, guys, as we figure this out. It's going to be different. It's going to be a little challenging for me personally, but I'm very excited to take it on head on and give you guys the content and the stories that you all have been asking for. (laughs) I really appreciate all of you who have listened up to this point, all of you who have recommended the podcast to any of your friends or family, shared a link on social media, left a review on Apple Podcast. however you're supporting, I definitely appreciate that. Um, to the couple people who have chosen to support monthly, the Suspect Podcast monthly, whether it's a dollar, five, ten dollars, whatever you're supporting us with, we definitely appreciate that. Um, it's going to go towards enhancing the podcast, so keep an eye out. Hopefully the audio gets better. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of different things with the podcast improve over this 2021. <clears throat> So I definitely wanted to, you know, express that, express the different co-host and hosting troubles that we've been having. But yeah, we love you, Hannah. We appreciate the couple episodes that you've been on. We, I'm positive Hannah will probably be on a couple future episodes as well. Um, But as for right now, get used to hearing my voice every week because I'm going to be the one talking to you guys. (laughs) So 
like I said, my plan um, was originally to post every week to post towards the end of the week, have a new episode out that unfortunately, as we all seen have not happened. So um, I'm sorry that you guys have missed those couple episodes going into 2021. I feel like I've missed a couple things to discuss with you guys going into 2021. We're only four weeks in, but so much has happened already. And I don't even know what to start, where to start, really. I was looking at things that happened earlier in 2021 today, reading an article, and I just started writing down things that I could mention for this. Like, I don't even know to go into detail on any of them or what, but just a couple of things for our listeners um, who maybe don't keep up with the news or whatever the case may be, hasn't heard all of these things. I'm just going to give you guys the top eight things that have happened so far in 2021, okay? So here we go. Number one, we had the fucking Capitol break-in, okay? We're not going to go into too much detail on that because um, fuck anybody who supported that. You're all terrorists, in my opinion. That is crazy that that fucking happened. Like, I couldn't even express the way I was feeling that day when that happened. Like, just in complete fucking shock. Okay, number two, probably my favorite thing to happen ever on social media. They banned this motherfucker from social media, something that we probably never saw coming, something that is fucking endearing to watch happen. Like, ugh, that I laughed about that. I'm still laughing about that. It's been like three weeks, so <laughs> fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Okay, so the next thing we have, we have Biden being sworn in. I don't know if any of you got to watch that or watch the press conference or any of that, but it was really just one of the more wholesome things that I had seen. Um, Nothing, nothing compared to the, even that one day of him being sworn in was more peaceful than any day we ever, ever, ever had when fucking Donald Trump was in office. So we'll see. Um you know, I've learned not to trust politicians, obviously, but I'm hoping that this is a lot smoother than, I don't even want to say his name anymore, he who shall not be named, some Harry Potter shit, all right? So the next thing we had was Kim and Kanye are apparently getting divorced. Crazy, crazy. The Bernie Sanders meme, which is fucking fantastic, and all the art stuff that people have been doing with that. I just, people are so fucking creative. I honestly can't believe it. And then we had Jojo Siwa coming out, which, you know, I'm sure rubbed a lot of parents the wrong way. Um, A lot of uneducated, ignorant parents that are still stuck in their own mentality and their mindsets and think that those are the only ones to follow. But Me personally, I think that it inspires a lot of kids to be themselves, be their true selves and figure out who they really are in the world. So I support it. Shout out to Jojo. And then the last thing that I have written down here is the stock craziness. I cannot even believe that shit. I mean, I guess I can, but at the same time, I can't. But yeah. So that was my list of just a couple of things that have happened so far in the very first month of 2020. Hopefully it doesn't get as crazy as it did last year. I don't fucking know. I hope everybody's been having a good start to their new year. Everybody's been staying safe, washing their hands, wearing their mask, loving on their family and friends, doing all the shit that you should be doing. Um, 
my start to 21, 2021 has been uh, a little bit slow. You know, I've just been working a lot. I went home to see the family for Christmas, got back in town, just came right back to work. Um, so yeah, it was good to see my family for Christmas. It's good to be back and be focused on working. I'm really, really pushing for this podcast this year, guys. And if anybody's listening to this, and you want to support, please just share, post a link, do whatever you can to help grow the audience, to grow the family that we have over here at Suspect. I really, really am hopeful for this. I'm really inspired. I'm really, there's so much I want to do. There's so much I want to do, but it takes time. And that's what I'm reminding myself is that it just takes time. I can't rush things. I can't expect things to happen overnight, no matter how bad I want them to. Like, I saw this thing on Facebook the other day. It was like the things that you were manifesting a year ago, you have now. So be grateful in the moment or something like that. And it just made me think like, I remember when I first started the podcast, like, oh, I just want to make, even if I just make a dollar off the podcast, just a dollar, I'll be so happy to say, you know what? Like I did that shit. I made a fucking dollar off of something that I started myself. And then like within the last couple months, I've just been feeling so down honestly because I started to generate a little income on the podcast but it wasn't progressing as fast as I wanted it to and I had to really stop myself and just say you were happy to make a dollar and now you're past that so be happy that you made more than you even anticipated originally so just be in the moment please be grateful for everything that you have remember things that you manifested a year ago you have now so the things that you man you're manifesting right now you'll probably have in a year That's my advice for 2021 so far. (laughs) So guys, I do have um, a pretty good story for you guys this week. Well, not a good story, but you know what I mean. Um, For Christmas, I actually got two serial killer encyclopedias, which is just two thick ass books with a bunch of fucking murderers in it. And I've been reading through it and, you know, a lot of them I'm familiar with and then a lot of them I'm not. And then some of them I obviously don't remember all the details on. So it's nice to be able to have this. So I was reading through it and I found one that I was reading that I had obviously heard before, but I just could not fucking believe the details of this case. I was like, oh my fucking God, I don't remember hardly any of these details. Like, this is insane. This is going to keep me up tonight. So let's fucking cover it on suspect. And here we are. So a lot of my notes today, guys, are going to be referenced from um, Wikipedia and the big book of serial killers and encyclopedia of serial killers, the author Jack Rosewood and co-author Rebecca Lowe. And there's actually multiple um, sequences of this book, guys. So if you are interested in this, slide on over to Amazon. I'm positive it's on there have it fucking set on prime within two days you could have it by Wednesday (laughs) so yeah it's a pretty cool book I definitely recommend um for all of my little true crime junkies out there definitely something that you guys would like to read something that would capture your attention so yeah slide on over to Amazon as you guys can tell, I've never recorded a podcast episode by myself, so it's a little bit different to sit in a room by yourself and talk to yourself about people being murdered. So if there's any awkward silences or awkward remarks, please bear with me. I'm learning. I promise that I'll get better. Um, it's kind of like vlogging, I guess, but I haven't vlogged in a while. So here we go. We're learning together, me and you, my suspect audience. 
Okay, guys, so the case that I'm going to be covering today is the case of William Bonin. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. If not, I don't really give a fuck because he's a murderer, and if I pronounce his name wrong, fuck him. Okay, that's how I feel. So William, Mr. William here, he was known as the Freeway Killer, and I'll give you some information on him, and then we'll go ahead and jump in to this fucking monster of a story. So, Mr. William here, he was born January 8th in 1947. Um, He was born the middle child of three boys, and his parents' parents names were Robert and Alice. So, Robert, the dad, he was a compulsive gambler, and he was often very physically abusive towards everybody in the family. Both of the parents were alcoholics, and the children were often neglected. So oftentimes neighbors would take pity on the boys and they would feed them and clothe them because they were super hungry or had torn, scattered clothing. At times they were also sent to stay with their grandfather, who happened to be a convicted child molester. The grandfather had apparently molested their mother when she was young and it had been established that he also molested all three of his grandsons. Which is just, like, fucking awful to me. If you as a mother already knew that this happened to you, like, why the fuck are you sending your sons there? Like, (sighs) deep breaths, deep breaths. So in 1953, the boys are sent to an orphanage, which is an attempt by their mother to shield them from their abusive father. The orphanage was known to discipline the children in a severe manner over minor offenses. Disciplinary measures included severe beatings, partial drowning in water-filled sinks, and being placed in stress situations. Later in life, Bonin refused to talk about what happened at the orphanage, apart from admitting that he would consent to the older male's sexual advances, provided that they tied his hands behind his back first. So when Bonin's nine years old, the boys are sent back to their parents' house. When he's 10 years old, he was caught stealing vehicle license plates, and he was sent to a juvenile detention center. Here, he was allegedly abused sexually and physically by multiple people, one of whom was his counselor. The family decides to move to California in 1961, largely due to the inevitable foreclosure on their home. Not long after they move, Bonin's father died due to liver cirrhosis. Bonin goes on to molest not only his younger brother, but also many children in his neighborhood. He would make false promises of supplying alcohol and then lure them into the house. In 1965, Bonin graduates from high school and he becomes engaged soon after this. So the engagement was supposedly heavily influenced by his mother's insistence. Um, apparently she was pretty concerned about her son's sexual preference for males. She thought that by marrying a woman, those preferences would go away. Bonin joined the Air Force the same year he graduated and was eventually sent to serve active duty in the Vietnam War. As an aerial gunner, Bonin logged over 700 hours of patrol and combat time while he was in Vietnam. During the war, Bonin once risked his life to save a fellow airman who was wounded. As a result, he received the Good Conduct Medal. However, he later claimed that his experiences in Vietnam made him believe that human life was overrated. Bonin claimed that he engaged in sexual relations with both female and males while in Vietnam. He also said that he sexually assaulted two soldiers at gunpoint during the Tet Offensive. 
So already, like, we're already pretty in deep. We already can sense at this point that Mr. Williams got a lot going on mentally and that he he probably needs a little fucking help at this point. But I feel like this is a common trait that we see in multiple cases where people obviously are expressing signs of needing help and they're just kind of ignored or pushed off as something else and then they just progress. Check on your friends, please. Please check on your friends. After three years in the service with the Air Force, Bonin was honorably discharged in 1968. He moved back to his mother's home and married his fiancée soon after. The marriage did not last long, though, and they divorced shortly afterwards. So that same year, Bonin embarks on a serial of sexual assaults against five youths aged 12 to 18 years old. In the early part of 1969, he was arrested and charged with multiple offenses against these five young youths. He pled guilty and he was sent to a state hospital as he was considered to be a mentally disordered sexual offender who could not, who could respond to treatment. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My eyes be going all over the page. like. So during his time in the hospital, numerous assessments and examinations show that he has a higher than average IQ. He also exhibited traits of manic depression. Furthermore, staff discovered that he had damage to the prefrontal cortex of his brain which means that he was unable to restrain himself from violent impulses. Throughout his stay in the hospital, Bonin repeatedly engaged in forced sexual activities with fellow inmates. Deemed untreatable, he was sent to prison. In 1974, believing he was no longer a danger to himself or others, the authorities released Bonin from prison. But in 1975, Bonin... I bet you guys did not see this fucking coming. This is just a plot twist. He proves them wrong that he is not a danger to himself or other. No fucking way. No fucking way. He picks up a 14-year-old hitchhiker, David McVicker, and as soon as the boy enters the car, Bonin asked him if he was homosexual. David was obviously stunned by this, and he asked Bonin to stop the car. Instead, Bonin pulls out a gun, drives to a field, and makes David undress. He then raped and beat him. Afterwards, Bonin attempted to strangle David with a t-shirt, but when the boy starts screaming, he stops, apologizes, and drives David home. As soon as he left, the boy told his mother what happened, and the police were notified. Charged and convicted, Bonin spent more time in prison. Following his second fucking release if you guys were not keeping up let me help you keep track here second time he's been released after offending second time he finds work as a truck driver he also develops a reputation around he also develops a reputation among the town that the he also develops a reputation around town among the young boys that he allows teenagers to party at his house with alcohol through a neighbor, Bonin meets a 21-year-old man named Vernon Butts and Gregory Miley, who was an 18-year-old. Vernon would later state that he was terrified yet fascinated by Bonin and that he enjoyed watching Bonin inflict torture and then murder his victims. Gregory would also sometimes accompany Bonin on his murderous outings. He, too, participated willingly. 
If any of your friends bring something like this to your attention, you better haul ass the other goddamn way and go straight to the fucking police station. That is all I'm saying. Let one of my friends come up to me with some shit like this. I am snitching like a motherfucker. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to get into the dark stuff, guys. Here we go. Bear with me. Um... So, schoolboys, young men hitchhiking, and male prostitutes were usually the victims that he targeted. He would, e- he would either force or lure his victims into his van, where they would quickly be overpowered and secured at the hands and feet by wire, handcuffs, or some sort of cord. Bonin would then sexually assault the victim and beat them severely around the head, face, and genitals. He would inflict terrible torture and then strangle them, often using their own shirt as a ligature. Sometimes, though, he would stab or beat the victims to death. Darren Kendrick was killed when Bonin forced him to drink hydrochloric acid. Three others were killed from having an ice pick, a fucking ice pick, rammed into their ears. And Mark Shelton actually died from shock. Okay, so Bonin basically had makeshifted his van to prevent his victims from escaping. All of the internal door handles on the passenger side and in the back of the van were removed. He kept his supply of tools and equipment to use against his victim, including knives, ligatures, and a variety of regular household tools. The victim would normally be killed in the back of the van, then dumped along the Southern California freeways. Bonin didn't always work alone. He was usually accompanied or assisted by one of his four accomplices. It was later discovered that each murder he committed displayed an escalated level of brutality and violence. Almost as though he needed a bigger thrill from each kill. So he's just going up here. He's just escalating. Each murder is getting worse and worse and worse. He's getting more comfortable with what he's doing, more confident. He's a real fucking sicko if you haven't picked up on that by now. His first known victim, Thomas Lundgren, Lundgren, Thomas Lundgren, his first known victim, Thomas Lundgren, was just 13 years old when he was captured, which was on May 28, 1979, in Agora. He left his home at around 10.50 that morning, and it was the last time he was seen alive. His battered body was discovered the same day. He was clothed except for his underwear and pants, which were missing. These items were later found in a nearby field along with his genitals, which had been severed. I'm sorry. I don't know why I fucking said that like that. So the autopsy showed that he had multiple fractures on his skull, that he had been stabbed multiple times, and that his throat had been slashed and that he had finally been strangled to death. On August 4th, 1979, Bonin abducted Bonin abducted Mark Shelton, 17, and Westminster. The young man had been on his way to the cinema when he crossed paths with Bonin. Screaming was heard near his home at the time of this disappearance, which led investigators to believe that he was kidnapped by a violent force. In the back of the van was a variety of objects that were forced into his rectum, including a pull cue. The next day, Marcus Grabs, 17, was hitchhiking along the Pacific Coast Highway, When he was abducted by Bonin, he was tied up with a combination of ignition ignition wire and cord taken back to Bonin's house. Inside the house, Marcus was beaten, sodomized, and stabbed 77 times until he was dead. 
His nude body was found the next day in Malibu Creek. Donald Ray Hyden, 15, was abducted on August 27th at around 1 a.m. after walking along the Santa Monica Boulevard. Construction workers discovered his body in a dumpster later that morning. The autopsy showed that he had been tied up, beaten, and sodomized. His head had been bludgeoned and his neck stabbed. An attempt had been made to cut off his testicles and he had been slashed across the throat. His death was caused by lig ligature strangulation. On September 9th, Bonin and his accomplice, Vernon Butts, abducted David Murillo, 17, as he was riding his bicycles to the theaters in La Mirada. They had lured Murillo into the van where he was quickly bound and subdued. This caused Mark Shelton's body to go into shock and he died. His body was dumped at the side of the freeway. His body was dumped along Highway 101 and thrown over an embankment. Just eight days later, Bonin abducted and killed Robert Weierstek, 18, as he rode his bicycle to a grocery store. His battered body was found along Interstate 10 on September 27th. So he's literally just slaughtering and dumping these people on the side of the road. He has no, I mean, obviously he has no fucking respect, but he just, uh, I don't even fucking know. The next murder that was known, committed by Bonin, occurred on November 1st when, along with Butts, they abducted an unidentified young male. Like the other victims, this John Doe had also been violently beaten, raped, and strangled to death. His body was left in a ditch alongside State Route 99 near Taft, Kern County. Bonin later admitted that he shoved an ice pick into the victim's nose and ear before he was killed. Bonin abducted 17-year-old Frank Dennis Fox in Bellflower on November 30th. His body found along the Ortega Highway two days later showed evidence of a violent and extensive beating to the head and face. His wrists and ankles had marks from ligatures. On December 13th, the body of a young boy was discovered in an area of Rialto. The victim, not identified until August of 1980, was John Kilpatrick, 15 of Long Beach, who had disappeared while heading off from home to meet some friends. On New Year's Day 1980, Michael McDonald, 16, was abducted. He was beaten, brutalized, and strangled, and his fully clothed body was found two days later along Highway 71. He would remain a John Doe until March 24th when he was finally identified. The next murder Bonin committed was undertaken with the help of Gregory Matthews Miley, his 18-year-old acquaintance. Charles Miranda, 15, had been hitchhiking along Santa Monica Boulevard when he was approached by Bonin and Miley. The boy was then raped multiple times and beaten by a tire iron in the head. Finally, he was strangled with a ligature. Miley later claimed that Bonin and Miranda had consensual sex in the van while Miley drove the van around. Bonin then whispered, the kid's going to die in Miley's ear, at which at this point they quickly bound Miranda. They robbed Miranda out of the $6 that he had in his wallet and then Bonin raped him. Miley attempted to rape Miranda, but was unable to he was unable to maintain an erection Within a few hours of this, Bonin and Riley were searching for another victim. Bonin stated that he was still horny and wanted to attack and kill again. At Huntington Beach, they came across James McCabe, 12, who was waiting at the bus stop. They offered the boy a ride to Disneyland, 
and drove to a local grocery store and parked in the lot. Bonin got into the back of his van and Miley took over driving. He could hear the boy crying as Bonin raped and beat him. Later, Miley got into the back and helped Bonin beat the boy. They used a tire iron to crush his neck and then Bonin strangled him to death. Three days later, his body was found near a dumpster in Walnut. Bonin spends a month in jail for breaching his parole conditions and is released again, third time, on March 4th. Just 10 days later, he claims his next victim, Ronald Gatlin, who was 18 and abducted after he left his friend's house. Like the others, he was sodomized and beaten, and an ice pick was driven into his ear and neck multiple times. Finally, Bonin used a ligature to strangle him, and his body was found the next day. 14-year-old Glenn Barker was lured into Bonin's van on March 21st when he was hitchhiking to school. He was raped and beaten and burnt on the neck multiple times with a burning cigarette. Numerous foreign objects had been forced into his rectum, and he was eventually strangled with a ligature. The very next day, Russell Rue, 15, I don't know why I read that like that. The very same day, Russell Rue, 15, was kidnapped from a bus stop in Garden Grove. He was subjected to terrible violence over an eight-hour period. The bodies of both young boys were found in the Cleveland National Forest on March 23rd. So then Bonin meets William Ray Pugh, 17, one night in March after they left Everett Fraser's house. Bonin offers Pugh a ride home, and almost as soon as they drove away, Bonin propositions him for sex. Pugh was supposedly shocked. After a few minutes of silence, he tried to get out of the van while they were slowed down at a light. Bonin grabs Pugh by the collar, pulling him back across the street. He told Pugh that he likes to kidnap young males and kill them. He then told Pugh as he dropped him off at home that he hadn't been killed because people had seen them leaving the party together that night. So instead of reporting this, Pugh, fucking Pugh, decides to become an accomplice to Bonin instead of reporting this to the police. And on March 24th, they abduct Harry Todd Turner, which led him to assaulting Miranda with sharp objects out of frustration. Miranda was then beaten and strangled by Bonin as Riley jumped on top of his chest. Unlike the others, Miranda's body was found in an alleyway near East 2nd Street. The only thing I want to talk about from that little section I just read was he was unable to maintain an erection. Yeah, buddy. I mean, did you ever think that maybe what you were doing is causing you not to be turned on? Like, you sick fuck. I wouldn't be able to have an erection either, weirdo. Oh, they offered the boy $20 for sex and lured him into the van. Turner was bound, sonomized, and then bitten. Pugh was ordered by Bonin to beat the boy, and then Bonin strangled him. They left his body outside the rear delivery door of a business. His autopsy showed his skull had been fractured eight times and his genitals had been mutilated. Stephen Wood, 16, was abducted on April 10th as he walked to school after a dentist appointment. He received the same treatment as the other victims, as the other victims, and he was also strangled to death by ligature. His body was left in an alleyway in Long Beach. April 29th, Bonin, assisted by Butts, lured an employee out of the Stanton supermarket into the van. The victim, Darren Kendrick, 19, was told that they could sell him drugs. 
He willingly got in and they drove to Buck's apartment. Once inside the apartment, Kendrick was overpowered and bound, then sodomized. They strangled him, but not completely, which was another form of torture. They forced him to drink hydrochloric acid. The acid caused horrific burns to his mouth, chin, chest, and stomach. Butts rammed an ice pick into his ear so violently that it caused a fatal injury to his spinal cord. When his body was found behind a warehouse near the Artesia Freeway, the ice pick was still sticking out of his ear canal. I'm fucking sick to my stomach. I don't know if you guys are, but I am. Lawrence Sharp, 17, an acquaintance of Bonin's, was killed on May 17th simply because Bonin was sick of him hanging around. He was also tied up and sodomized, beaten severely around the head and body, and strangled. His body was found the next day, dumped behind a Westminster gas station. Two days later, Bonin wanted Butts to help with another killing, but he refused. Alone, Bonin abducted Sean King, 14, from a bus stop in Downey. His body was found in Lake Ove. His body was found in Live Oak Canyon. Several days later, James Michael Munro, 18, was invited by Bonin to move into the apartment he shared with his mother. Munro was a homeless drifter, and he obviously accepted this offer without hesitation. They began a sexual relationship, even though bisexual Munro preferred to have sex with both men and women. At first, Munro thought Bonin was a good guy, until Bonin told him on June 1st that he wanted Munro to help him abduct and kill a young hitchhiker. Bonin and Munro came across Stephen Wells, 18, on June 2nd. Wells was waiting at a bus stop when he was lured into the van. When Bonin found out Wells was bisexual, he offered him $200 to come back to his house and be bound before they had sex. Wells agreed. Once he was in the apartment, he was bound, raped, and beaten by both men. Before he was strangled, Bonin informed Wells he was about to be murdered. His body was put into a cardboard box and transported to the home of Butts. Bonin encouraged Butts to look at the body that they had in the van. Then he allegedly asked Butts where the best place to dump a body would be. And Butts suggested a gas station or where they had dumped the last one. Wells' body was eventually left behind an old gas station in Huntington Beach. Even though the station, the gas station was no longer used, his body was still found quickly, just five hours after it was dumped. All right, so obviously you guys know that was a lot back to back to back with the murders and the abductions, but I just wanted to get through all of them, get all the details out. So it's said that William Bonin killed a total of 14 known victims but up to 44 victims in total that they haven't been able to connect him all the way through so now we're going to get into the arrest and trial Pew had been arrested for stealing a car in may of 1980 and while he was in jail he admitted to a counselor that he recognized the modest operandi of the murders on the news as those described to him previously by bonin this information was passed on to the police who then interviewed Pew. He denied any involvement in the actual murders, but claimed that Bonin was the freeway killer. When police looked into Bonin's background, they discovered that he had an extensive criminal history involving the sexual assault of young boys. He was therefore, at this point, put under surveillance. 
While under surveillance, police noticed Bonin driving randomly throughout Hollywood on June 11th. He seemed to be trying to lure teenage boys into his van. After failing four times, he finally convinced a boy to get in, and the police followed Bonin until he parked in a parking lot near the Hollywood freeway. Police approached, and when they heard muffling, screaming, and banging sounds coming from inside, they forced their way into the van. Bonin was literally in the middle of raping Harold Tate. Following his arrest, investigators searched his van and his home and found numerous items suggesting that he was the freeway killer. In addition to restraints, binding materials, knives, pliers, and a tire iron, they found that parts of his house and the inside of his van were stained heavily with blood. There was even a scrapbook with news clippings about the murders in the van's glove box. Which is just like, come on, like how fucking sloppy can you be? How fucking sloppy can you be? We hear about this with every serial killer. They want some sort of connection to that, whether it's newspaper clippings or they're showing up at the fucking abduction sites to try and help, like whatever, like come the fuck on, be more organized. Like, I mean, I'm not condoning this, but I'm just saying like you do all of this to fucking have this in your glove box. What? Although he tried to deny having any part of the many murders, Bonin eventually gave in and confessed. Interviewed over the course of several days, he admitted to the abduction, rape, and murder of 21 young men and boys. He showed no remorse other than what he felt at being caught. He quickly acknowledged Butts, Monroe, and Miley as his accomplices. Bonin was eventually charged with 16 counts of murder on July 29, 1980. He was also charged with one count of sodomy, 11 counts of robbery, and one count of mayhem. Butts was charged at the same time with six, with six counts of murder and three counts of robbery. On November 14th, Butts received three more murder charges and was scheduled to go on trial on July 27, 1981. Monroe was arrested on July 31st, 1980, and charged with murdering Stephen Wells. He pleaded not guilty to all charges. Miley was arrested on August 22nd and charged with the murders of James Maccabee and Charles Miranda. A phone conversation he had with a friend had been recorded, and during the call, he admitted his guilt. He initially pleaded not guilty, but changed his plea to guilty. Of course he fucking did. Which is like, are you a fucking idiot? How do you not know that these calls are recorded? Like, you think you have any freedom at this point. They're, they're not going to let you get one word out without knowing what you said. Like, <laughs> Bonin's first trial came to an end on January 6th, 1982, at which point he was found guilty of committing 10 of the murders. Consideration of sentencing continued until January 20th, when Bonin was given the death penalty. Later, he went to trial in Orange County and was charged with four murders. This trial would last six weeks. On August 2nd, 1983, a guilty verdict was given in all four murders, along with three counts of robbery. Again, he was sentenced to death. On January 11th, 1981, before he went to trial, Butts committed suicide by hanging, by hanging himself in his cell. Monroe was given 15 years to life for the murder of Stephen Wells. Miley received a sentence of 25 years to life in February of 1982 for the murder of Charles Miranda. 
He also received a 25-year term for the murder of James Maccabee. On May 25, 2016, Miley died as a result of injuries he sustained two days earlier when another inmate attacked him. William Pugh received a sentence of six years after being found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and the murder of Harry Todd Turner. He spent only four years in prison and was released back into the community in 1985. Bonin spent 14 years waiting on death row before his execution date was finally scheduled. Initially, Bonin was meant to be executed by the gas chamber, but because of issues with a previous execution, this was changed to lethal injection. His last meal consisted of two large pizzas, three pints of ice cream, and 18 cans of Coke. He had chosen five people to spend his last hours with, including a biographer, a chaplain, and his attorney. He was taken to the gas chamber at 11.45 p.m., and he was pronounced deceased at 12.13 a.m. I don't know if you guys heard that, but I had to crack my hat, my fucking neck after all that. I felt like the tension and the pressure just rose up in my body the entire time I've been reading my notes. Um, so yeah, that is the story of William Bonin. Just some quick facts for you guys. While on death row, Bonin made friends with several other serial killers, including Douglas Clark, Lawrence Bittaker, Bittaker, I don't know, you guys might know who that is, and Randy Kraft. And here is a quote from (sighs) Mr. Bonin himself. I would suggest that when a person has a thought of doing anything serious against the law, that before they did that, they should go to a quiet place and think about it seriously. Which is just like, yeah, motherfucker, did you do that before any of your fucking little crime sprees? No. So yeah, guys, that is the story of William Bonin, the freeway killer. Um, obviously you guys can look up any kind of specials they have on him. I'm sure there's plenty out there. Um, I will be posting some pictures to our Instagram of Mr. Bonin himself and maybe, um, some evidence pictures just depending on what I'm able to find to post. So make sure that you're following our Instagram at suspect podcast so that you can see that post and really puts, Put a face to a name. Put a face to this fucking crazy story I just told you. Um, Again, seriously, thank you guys so much to everybody listening. Please bear with me these next couple weeks as I self-record or have random guests. I promise you I'm going to keep pushing content. I'm going to keep working my ass off to get more episodes out. I'm very passionate about this. This is something that I would love to be my full-time job one day. So (laughs) please, any support that you guys are able to spare. It's so, so appreciated. Takes two seconds to leave a review and it helps me more than you know. So if you have not done that, please go over to, please go over to Apple podcast, take two seconds, leave me a review, leave me a five star. Tell me what you want to see more of. Tell me what you hate. Tell me whatever. Just leave a review, please. (laughs) And again, if you're not following our Instagram at Suspect Podcast, I post about all cases that we've done on there, any kind of announcements, any kind of giveaways will be listed on there. 
any case suggestions that you guys have, you can send them to me on the Instagram. I will read all of the DMs. You can also send those over to suspectpodcast at gmail.com. And I will get your email, read it, yada, yada, yada. You guys know how it goes. If you're listening and you're able to support the podcast financially in any way, $1, $5, $10, please go to the link in the show notes of this episode and you guys will find all of the information on that. Um, It really, really helps. I'm trying to get some new microphones soon. So that's definitely what that's going towards to just enhance the audio and the overall content for you guys. Once again, I really appreciate you guys for listening. I love you guys so much. I feel like we're all friends. I feel like we all have this weird, morbid, sick sense of humor that, I don't know, it just makes me feel less crazy, I guess, especially with like, you know, the last year, the times that we had in 2020, moving into 2021. It's just nice to know that there's people that think like you. There's people that are interested in the same things as you. There's people that want to talk conspiracy and all things fucked up, like, I don't know. It releases a lot of stress and tension, I feel like. So thank you to all of my fucked up people out there like me. I appreciate you guys. And I love you guys more than you can ever imagine. Um, Until next week, guys. I'm Katie. I'm recording this on January 31st. Hopefully I get this out by Monday morning so you guys can start your week off with a great new episode. Any case suggestions, you know where to send them. You know where to contact me. I love you guys. Please wash your hands. Please wear your mask. Please fight for people. Fight for all people. Love all people. Put yourself in harm's way to protect other people, especially if you're more privileged than they are. I guess that is my best piece of advice going into 2021. Please be kind. Like, it's so, so fucking easy to be nice to people. Like, we don't need to have these stink-ass attitudes. Like, just be nice, be respectful, be kind, be loving. Don't judge people. Just be fucking normal. I don't know. I feel like it's, people have just made it such a hard concept to be nice when in reality it's so fucking easy. Like, just be fucking normal. Don't be an asshole. Like, I don't know. That's my two cents. That's my advice going into 2021. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends. Let's blow up suspect this year, guys. I need your help. I can't do this without you guys. 